forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive in our trespasses, those who trespass against us. In other words, God, you forgive me the way I'm forgiven the people who have done wrong to me. Oh, yeah, that is a dangerous prayer. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Before we start the show, I have something to share with you. If you or someone close to you is suffering from a sense of anxiety or loneliness, the truth is anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness affecting 40 million adults in the United States every year alone. And according to a recent study, more than 60% of Americans report feeling lonely, left out, poorly understood, and lacking companionship. This matters a lot because loneliness is stressful enough to raise all cause mortality by up to 30%. So I've written a free guide with 10 ways you can start to overcome anxiety and defeat your loneliness. Don't wait on positive emotions. Learn how to create them for yourself starting right now. You can grab the guide by heading over to drmartinfletcher.com. That's doctor spelled drmartinfletcher.com. Hey, Marty, how are you? Good. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing really good. And I've got a topic that we could probably do 20 sessions on, but I think we should start with one session. Okay. And it is about forgiveness. Oh, yeah. I see so much unforgiveness taking place in our world. And sometimes I've, I've grown a lot. But the problem with forgiveness, it's, it's an easy concept until there's something that God calls on you to forgive because somebody mm-hmm. was really crappy toward you mm-hmm. or, or blew you off in such a way that, that it's really tough to hang on to. But I don't know, how much would you say forgiveness or lack of forgiveness, unforgiveness, is a part of patience that you see as a psychologist? Always. Always. Always? Always. I think Christ talked about this as much as he talked about anything, because when we get down to so much depends on that. You say unforgiveness. And the people I see, they've been hurt. Many of them have been traumatized. The world beats us up, doesn't it? And so what happens when we're hurt, our animal response, our natural response is what you call an unforgiveness. Okay, and unforgiveness just means the absence of forgiveness. So instead of that forgiveness that that isn't there, something else is there and is very destructive and painful. Mm. What is that? So when forgiveness isn't there, something's got to be there, right? Nature abhors a vacuum. Something will be there instead. And that's the real problem. What is it? What is it, Matt? I would say, based on my experience, it is anger. It is revenge. It is wounds. I think so many people are carrying around wounds that have no hope of healing or mending apart from forgiveness. I think people, I think another way to phrase it, a lot of people can't get to forgiveness and they're carrying around a lot of crap because they're going around debt collecting from Mm -hmm. everybody because they've been wounded. 
And so it's not exactly anger, but it's, it's debt collecting, you know, like you owe me and you owe me and this person owes me. And why don't I get more respect? Why don't I have more opportunities? And it's, it's maybe it's a dull form of anger. I know you boil all emotions down to like six, but when it comes to forgiveness, I think that the problem is the unforgiven and the unforgiving person, they're plagued with guilt, they're plagued with resentment, but they end up spreading it. Yeah, and anger is definitely a part of it because angers can mix too and then they can vary in intensity. So anger is definitely a part of it and that's part of the discomfort. But I think that a couple things that in what you said, first of all, to collect the debt, what, what would pay that debt? Because so often it can't be paid not the way that, that the person thinks. And that's what um, that resentment is. So what does it want? So, okay, you wronged me. You know, how dare you? You wronged me. It wasn't fair, et cetera. What do they want? What, what, what does that want? What is that unforgiveness? What's there and what does it want? What would pay the debt? What would wipe the slate clean so peace can be restored? I think for some people, you'd say a, a sincere apology. I think some people would want to dish out what they had received, you know, the eye for an eye kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. I think that it would restitution. They would want to take something from that person who they are hanging on to resentment and this unforgiveness. I think within marriages, you know, that you start building, you start keeping a list. It's really dangerous to keep a list because then I think you play, I call it emotional ping pong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I did this for her. So now I've got, she better do that for me. And it goes back and forth. And I think that, that it's, you kind of one up each other. Well, now she owes me because I did this extra work around the house or he owes me because I, you know, figured out her whole vacation and he did nothing. Mm -hmm. And so we go through life, like, like in a marriage, it's like there's, it's made up of two takers, two people who are collecting, trying to collect these obligations from the other person. And, and there's nothing to collect. So they end up with this miserable relationship. I think that's a really good observation. There isn't anything to collect. And that's why it doesn't work. Right. The revenge just doesn't work for a while. I was I remember I was interested in reading about executions, you know, people who murdered and the people who would watch those because that's what they wanted. They say, OK, that person's a murderer, took something from me. Now I'm going to watch mm. while that's taken from him. And in the interviews after, what do you think they said? Do you think that satisfied them? It did not. It grows. So I've got this idea. I mean, this isn't, I'm not a theologian, but this is what, I'm, what I've been thinking recently. I want to know what you think about this. I think what it is, is this. Okay, you, do, you wrong me by what you did or what you didn't do. Okay. I respond with not just anger. It mixes with disgust. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when anger mi mixes with disgust, that's what we call contempt and hatred. Okay. So to the degree, and it doesn't have to be like super intense. It could be a low level of disgust and anger and irritation or whatever. But really the problem that I think that Christ was trying to teach us, train us away from was stop hating people. Stop hating people even when they do these things because your father in heaven sees you do all sorts of things and, and is more than willing to let you become something new, give you a way back to him, right? And he wants us to be like him. What do you wow. think? I think that that is very threatening for people because I think it like deflates their balloon of what I want to see you suffer. 
And when it gets to that point, then I realize, oh my gosh, I'm the one full of hate. Yes. And, you know, with presidential debates, how much hate, how much disgust, talk about anger and disgust there was in the, in that room. I had to, I I attempted to watch it three different times and I watched for several minutes and had to shut it off because I was disgusted Mm -hmm. by it. I didn't have hatred so much as disappointment, but I think that the anger, I think people are afraid of forgiveness because maybe they have a misunderstanding of what it means. I think that when we are considering what forgiveness would look like, we have to let go of the other person being obligated to us. I heard an interesting definition by the Minrith Meyer Clinic, which is a a legit organization in terms of psychology and stuff. And they define forgiveness as the act of setting someone free from an obligation that is the result of a wrong done against you. Interesting. Setting someone free. Well, that's interesting because because I think forgiveness, and I don't think this is what God tells us, is an equation. That's part of the equation. That's on one side of the equal sign. Because in Mark eleven twenty five, 25, and, and this is a, several places, but I'll quote this. It says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you of your trespasses. It's a if then when. If you forgive, then you'll be forgiven because you're not just setting the person free. You're setting yourself free from that hatred. And Mm -hmm. hatred feels awful and it's destructive to relationships, to our bodies. So what do you, I puzzled over that for a lot and I still do. Why is it that if if you do not forgive, then your father in heaven will not forgive you? What does, I know it's more complicated than the, you know, um, than just the surface of it. I think it's an experience. Mm-hmm. Because when I couldn't forgive some people until I first felt that experience of grace of, oh my gosh, as awful as I've been and all the awful things I've said against Christ and um, the arrogance that I had, wow, I can actually feel that forgiveness. It's a freedom that you feel. It's a real emotional, like cathartic experience. Then I knew it because I felt it, I experienced it. Then I knew it was good and that the hatred was bad. And then I could work to forgive everybody. Is that, do you think that that's somewhat how that equation works? That you're not going to be forgiven because you're not going to feel forgiven until you forgive the other people. Right. I think it makes great sense. You know, Jesus tells this parable about that, exactly Mm. what you're saying. And Jesus, I still believe was the only perfectly sane human who ever lived. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's the one that said, pray this way, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive in our trespasses, those who trespass against us. In other words, God, you forgive me the way I'm forgiven the people who have done wrong to me. Oh, yeah, that is a dangerous prayer. Yes. And as I go along forgiving, as I go along forgiving, yeah. forgive me in that way. Yeah. He's, he's really, look, he doesn't split hairs on this, like Matthew six fourteen, right? To 15. Mm-hmm. For if you forgive men of their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. It ain't going to happen unless you forgive. And, and I promise you, you won't feel the forgiveness to the degree that we believe if our, if our code is someone does something wrong, then you go and you get your justice. Guess what? You, you, you will apply that to yourself. I promise you. So when you make that mistake and when you make that screw up, you'll start, you'll beat yourself up, even if it's subconsciously in the same way, because that's your code, that's your creed. Right. 
Right. And if we don't, we're going to be holding on to this need that we have, even for the our our accoster or whoever we need to forgive, even if we just want them to acknowledge that they did this to us, whether or not they ask for our forgiveness. And when we don't forgive, we are, have chained ourselves to that person. We're This is how sick it is. And this is how beautiful the psychology of the forgiveness that Christ talks about. Until I forgive you, and let's say you abused me when I was a kid, until I forgive you, I am always looking to you for something. Mm -hmm. I am still attaching myself to you in a sick way for you to acknowledge it, for you to apologize, for you to pay me money because of it. Until you are set free, forgiveness is like bolt cutters. Because mm -hmm. I am chained to you. I'm still, that's how sick it is. Jesus is saying, if you do not forgive someone, you are chained to that person because you're still looking for something from them. And, and no matter what they did to us, we're stuck with that person yes. until I, and it doesn't mean forgiveness doesn't mean, oh, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness doesn't mean, oh, it's okay. It wasn't a big deal. No, there's plenty of stuff that people have done to each other that is a huge, hairy deal. So it's not excusing the wrong. It's not minimizing the wrong. Rather, it's consciously acknowledging the wrong and purposefully choosing to pardon the person who wronged you. Well, and that bond that you talk about, that chain, that's not a bond of love. I think that unforgiveness, what you're calling unforgiveness, is an obstacle to love. And we're to love our enemies. You can't do that. If I'm holding resentment towards someone, I can't love that person. It takes me away from loving the people I want to love. That too, it spreads. Because I'm, I'm chained somewhere else. How can I give myself fully to who I really want to give myself to? You know, it's interesting, the idea of forgiveness. Jesus tells this great story. It's a parable. So that means there's truth contained in it. And this is from Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 23. And he says, the, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, that's millions of dollars, was brought to him. Since the man was not able to pay back the millions of dollars, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and everybody be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before the king and said, be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Now, when that same servant went out, he found one of his other servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And this guy grabbed the other guy and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. While the fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But the man refused. Instead, he went off and had the guy who owed 20 bucks thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, Jesus said, and went on and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. He said this, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt, the millions and millions of dollars of yours, because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owes. This is how your heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So he's forgiven this huge debt. Interesting, the mercy that he asks for is a Greek word that is macrohumanasen, which means an extension of time. So he wasn't really asking for forgiveness. He was asking for an extension of time. How many times have we done that? So we've got this wrong idea of forgiveness and God has his. 
God's idea of forgiveness is total and complete with no delay. The servant, and so I think some of us, we have this idea that we still have to go around collecting money from people who owe us or collecting whatever it is that people owe us so that we can pay back mm-hmm. God. Or, but that, that's, that whole thing's been canceled. I think, I think the idea that, that helps me the most is the idea that God loves me, we say that, but, and his mercy isn't just for more time. But I am completely forgiven. It's not just patience God gives me. But we don't get that. And we think we, that we don't get that we can't pay that back to God. So we get stuck on this treadmill of performing and achieving yeah, right and, and striving. And it's back to the ping pong game with my wife, you know. But we're forgiven 100% top to bottom. I think that, that if I could begin to fathom that... I am completely forgiven by God. It frees me like nothing else on the planet. Uh, Agreed. I would add one thing. Well, it's hard to add to that, but there's an aspect of it that I discovered, which is this. It's not like he's not the kind of severe parent that says, now you go and make it right because that was wrong and I'm going to teach you how to forgive. There's more than that. Okay. And it's this, it's, it feels so good to stop hating other people. It just feels so good to just you have so much more time, space, you know what I mean? You, you, it's such a softer way to go through life. Now, that's going to mean you're going to have to feel sad, right? Because when someone hurts you, the, the, the appropriate response, because you said that about the debate. First, you went into the, well, you know, I was angry. Just, and then you go, wait a minute. I saw you go, no, actually, I was sad. Mm-hmm. That's the appropriate response when people are hurting one another, right? And I think that's the way it pains God. God's slow to anger, right? But he wants us to be reconciled with him. And the way to be reconciled is forgive everybody, or you can't be as reconciled completely, right? Because right? you're still holding on to hate and God's love, and that's his wish for us. That's probably the biggest obstacle that I see to the kingdom. And I think, Christ, did Christ talk about anything more than that? Oh, he talked about money a lot. More than that? And, and what was the end of the money? I mean, because the money, it wasn't money's not the problem. It's what comes right. with it. And if, it, if it's division and derision, then that goes into the hatred category. And it's where your heart is. Jesus said where, you know, where your treasure is, there goes your heart. Money's great when you're generous, right? It connects right. people and it really Yeah, suffering. money's neutral. Money's mm-hmm. morally neutral. Anything good happening in the world is because somebody invested in mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So money is morally neutral, but in whose hands and what we do with it. In a way for forgiveness, it is that powerful as well. What are the obstacles that you see? Well, first of all, no, let's define the problem though. How big is this? And I remember you said to me once, look, you just got to scratch the surface if you really want to go, because we all have a persona, right? We, and we don't want to show a, our dark side to people unless we trust them and then they're interested. But you do have people sit down with you and really tell you the truth. How big is this, what you call unforgiveness problem or resentment? Oh, it's incredible. And it messes with people's lives. The failure to understand and to receive and to live out what I would say is a Christ follower is God's forgiveness, his unconditional forgiveness, unconditional love, forgiveness, his grace. We, run, we end up like the servant in that story that Jesus tells where we don't understand what God has given us. So we're still living in the world. We're still living thinking I got to scrap and fight for everything that I can get and for me to get one up on everybody else. And we we end up criticizing everybody. We end up scapegoating people. And we don't understand what God has already done for us. That's the maddening thing. 
he has already taken care of it for us. Now he's not going to force feed it down your throat, but there is no forgiveness unless we are free. Mm -hmm. Like you love to talk about the, the goal is freedom, human freedom. And so much could be fixed that way. I think that's it. I think that's one big barrier and this failure to forgive, to, to forgive people, the failure to give forgiveness, it results in this breakdown of our relationships. And so many people are going around with completely broken down relationships mm -hmm. because they fail to give forgiveness. Some people are still mad at their parents for things that were just human problems that parents do. And, and even parents who are, are not good still need forgiveness. And forgiveness does not mean that you go back into the same situation. Yeah. So the risk that comes with that, let's take an example of a you know, parent that maybe neglected a person. Like, so I was neglected and um, I was unloved. Well, what are you going to respond with? More of the same? Because that's what usually happens. Now you neglect them and you will not love them. That thing that we dislike or hate will become that if we're not careful. And Christ was warning us about that. It will get inside of us. That same hatred that hurts you gets inside of you and makes a home in you. And then you start passing it on. Mm -hmm. You see that. Oh, tons. You know, I do a lot of weddings and, and the vows say to have and to hold, you know, till death do us part for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. It's almost like sometimes you see the two people that are getting married and the promises that they make in their wedding vows in sickness and in health. They're only possible if your heart is secure in God's love and his grace and his care. Only a forgiven soul only somebody who's got that grace that overflows can have any hope to keep the promises. And here's the deal. Men can make good husbands. Women can make good wives, but they make lousy gods. Mm -hmm. All the promises we make and only a forgiven soul can, can keep them. So when a person is giving their vows, here's usually what they mean. I've got a lot of terrific inner needs. <laughs> I've got inner emptiness and debts to pay, and I'm going to give you a marvelous opportunity to fill my Grand Canyon and take care of me. You can be godlike. I'll show up for that. Yeah, now you may kiss, you know. And what happens then is, is both partners are takers, and we say she must pay, he must pay. And when you realize your spouse isn't the great person that you thought you were marrying, you grab them by the throat, and you feel as though they owe you a debt. Back to mm -hmm. Jesus' story. That's how powerful some of these parables are. And we don't realize our debt has been fully canceled. And so we can, it, it was torn up. As Christians, we would say it was torn up on Calvary, which is the name of the hill, the place where Jesus was crucified for the forgiveness of the sins of the world, you know, to pay the debt. He did pay the debt, we would say. That's interesting because love always has to involve a degree of acceptance, right? And the lack of forgiveness means I can't accept you. I will not be accepted. And, and oftentimes I'm resentful because you didn't accept me. You rejected me. So, so now I'm that, that thing. So to be reconciled with God is to be accepted in spite of all the horrible things that we've thought, done, yeah. and, and, and said. Yeah, and how right? it does, Right. And it doesn't have to be adoration because some people aren't adorable, right? But we can certainly not hate them, reject them in that way. We can still have compassion because without compassion, you can't forgive some things. 
right? You have to know that that person is, was hurt oftentimes. doesn't mean we got to hang around with them or anything like that, but we don't right. show contempt for them. More and more, I'm thinking that the opposite of forgiveness is contempt. Judgment, contempt. Christ said a lot about the judgment too. Right. You're going out of your way not to. Now it's easy because some people who may be a part of this have had some really horrific things mm -hmm. done to them by other people. Mm -hmm. And yet, I guess I would say forgiveness is the most freeing and courageous thing that could, they could be doing. And if it helps you to picture it this way, you beginning to put into practice forgiveness, even if the person's already died, mm -hmm. they can't give anything back to you anyway. It's you running around with these massive bolt cutters mm -hmm. and you are cutting the chains that have tied you down, that have tied you to that other person, that, that person who abused you, that person who offended you, that person who neglected you. Without forgiveness, you are chained up to all of these people in all these relationships. And so forgiveness is not some namby-pamby thing like, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, I'm fine in spite of your awfulness toward me. It's you proactively, with strength that it takes, cutting these chains with these great set of bolt cutters. That's forgiveness. I think that's right. And I think that the attitude is this. I'm not going to become the thing that you were to me. I'm going to become the thing that I wanted you to be for me and meet it with that. So some of the obstacles that I've seen, I'll use myself as an example. One was arrogance. That was a real obstacle for me forgiving people because I wanted my judgment and I wanted to see it and I was going to, you know, meet out the, so humility really helped me. That grace experience of being humble helped me. What do you think about arrogance as, a, as an obstacle and, and the thing that drives the, I don't trust God. I don't have faith in God to take care of that. You know, he'll, he'll miss this one. I got to be the deputy sheriff. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll be underwhelmed by whatever God does. Right. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. justice over his. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a fear that um, they got away with it. They got away with it. I don't think so, man. I've never gotten away with anything. Every moment of every lie, every moment of hatred, bad behavior, I never got away with that. Sometimes I kept pain and pain and pain, but even in the moment, I felt something that was not love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That's huge. And we think we can get away with it and not have it adversely impact the rest of our lives. And that's just wrong. Uh, any other obstacles that you notice when people come to you? Because people, oh, how about this? I got a really good question for you. Mm -hmm. What is it that causes people to just, with a death grip, hold on to that contempt? Oh, yeah. They, well, they've defined their identity by it. Oh. They, I am a, a victim, and I think there's true victims and there's false victims, but even if it's a true victimhood because you were abused sexually, physically, through neglect, whatever way you want to call it, my question to them would be, is that how you want your life defined? Or are you ready to step into the life God has intended you to? Yeah. So does it become their mission? That revenge is my yes. mission. That's yeah. going to be what I'm doing. I'm here. That is the highest thing now. Love God. That's not the highest thing anymore. Not for mm -hmm. you. You know, mm -hmm. this, this is above it. Revenge can become your God. Whatever's most important yeah. to you, whatever you put your time into the most, whatever you put your attention on the most, that is technically your God. That is what you are bowing down to. That is what you're praying to. That is what your conscious thinking goes to. Your subconscious thinking is about it. Your dreams are about it. And, and it's consuming. It's enslavement is mm -hmm. what it is to yes. the act of mm -hmm. whatever was done to you. It's enslavement to that person. 
because you're still wanting something from them by not forgiving them. Yeah. And you're doing somebody's will, but it's not God's will if you're going to do that. So have you forgiven everybody, Matt? Yes. Although somebody pointed out yesterday, you've mentioned this issue five times to me in the last month. Either you need to confront it or you need to forgive. They sneak up on us, don't they? Oh, yeah. 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 I think if you start hearing yourself repeat yourself and you need good friends around you, you need relationships around you, we'll say, I don't know if you realize how many times you've mentioned the word burnout, how many times you've mentioned this person's name and what they haven't done for you. How, what's the test though? How do I know if I've forgiven fully? What's, how, how can I know? I think you're looking for someone in your life who you're annoyed at or who you're hurt by to, and they keep coming up in your life. And there's a reason. And what do you feel though? I mean, cause I, cause I gotta go by feel, you know what I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. because we can say it, it doesn't mean it's true. Well, I forgive right. you. Of course I forgive you, but I don't feel what I'm supposed to feel. What, how will, how will we know when we've forgiven someone that their name comes up, like you said, and then what mm-hmm. happens then? I, I think we're still tied to them or we're still tied to that circumstance. You know, some people we need to forgive and never see again. Some people we need to forgive and we live with them. And in either case, you keep playing through some scenario of what you're going to do mm. for them or, oh, I would tell them this or don't they mm. realize this? And I think if you, can, if you catch yourself in that pattern of thinking, mm-hmm. then maybe there's something more there and you need a friend or you need a counselor or you need a pastor or somebody where you can confide in confidence and figure out how best to move beyond and to, uncha- to get yourself unchained from that situation, from that comment, from that person. And I think what replaces that when you know you're forgiven is you still want the best for that person. Mm-hmm. You, don't want, you don't want them to be punished anymore uh, than they're already going to be. You just let that thing go and you hope that they turn it around. Mm-hmm. So one thing that helped me a lot, and I don't know if, this, if you connect this, was just my own repentance. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't forgive until, until I fully repented. What do you think that's all about? First of all, what's repentance? Some people may not know. Repentance isn't just saying I'm sorry for something that happened in the past. Repentance is a new pathway. Repentance is naming what has happened, naming your part of it, and and doing a 180. I mean, somebody who abuses their spouse can't just say, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not repentance, even if they name what they're sorry for. Repentance is saying, I am so sorry, and I am changing. I'm doing a 180. I am starting on this new path. So I, I believe that's a big part of it. And, and repentance and forgiveness opens up a whole new life, a whole new path for us, where we're not defined by our victimhood. We're not defined by the incident that took place. What it did for me is it helped me to humanize my oppressors, my perceived oppressors, repentance. Because mm-hmm. going real deep and honestly seeing my flaws, you're right, and, and, and knowing that they were true, all of it was true, mm-hmm. and being truly, truly sorry, I realized that, you know, the, the other people aren't monsters. They, they, they're just doing the things that I've done or something like it, or, yeah. you know, they just did it to me. Right, right. One of the most helpful things that someone close to me has said about their parents is, if they could have done it differently, they would have. Mm-hmm. But they did not have the spiritual resources to be brought to bear to do different than what they did. Take my worst parenting moment and 
I would look yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. Don't define <laughs> Especially when me you have by twins, them. Right. Especially with twins. Right. Both of yeah. us have four kids all within yeah. a pretty short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. That was insane. Hey, this has been amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. And there's more to say about it, but it's good to kind of dive deep. No more debt collecting. No more emotional ping pong. It's time to get the bolt cutters out. Hey, let's pray. Let's do. Lord, I thank you so much for your presence. I thank you, God, that you, as Jesus showed us, have completely forgiven our debt. You've even completely forgiven us for debt collecting. You've forgiven us from top to bottom. And Lord, we forget that. We don't live as free people. We still somehow have subjected ourselves to the chains that have bound us to people and to situations and to circumstances that are painful for us, to our damaged emotions. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us, that you would free us, that you would give us the courage we need to forgive in order not to get one last thing from anybody who's hurt us. And we can only do this because of the incredible grace that you showed us through Christ and through his forgiveness for all the legitimate, inexcusable um, parts of who we are. Thank you, God, so much that there is a path forward. Thank you that forgiveness, thank you that repentance isn't just saying I'm sorry, but it's really more about our future or equally about our future as it is about our past. And so we do repent and ask God that you would fill us again and give us traction where we need to get started for momentum for living and for living free. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.